Justin Shears and welcome to Only a Northern Song. In this series, I'll be exploring the words and the music of the Beatles, but not through the usual tracks that we all know so well. I'll be delving into my extensive collection of outtakes, home recordings and demos, alternate mixes and interviews, to shed some new light on lesser known aspects of the Beatles' recorded legacy. Just two days after recording the final track for their new LP, Revolver, the Beatles were on their way to Germany to begin a whirlwind four-day concert tour, which would see them play multiple shows in Munich, Essen, and their old stomping ground of Hamburg. Germany had played an integral part in the Beatles honing their stagecraft, perhaps even more than the Cavern Club in their native Liverpool. Between 1960 and 1962, Eight-hour, pill-popping and lager-fueled sessions treading the boards of the Indra, the Kaiser Keller and the Star Club had turned the Beatles from an unknown entity into a band which, just four years later, had climbed to the toppermost of the poppermost. It had also introduced them to lifelong friends such as photographer Astrid Kirscher and bass-playing artist Klaus Vormann, creator of their latest record sleeve. Over the next couple of years, All-night sessions playing to a couple of hundred people had been whittled down to roughly 30 minutes on stage in front of tens of thousands a night. The Beatles had not been back to Germany since December 1962, when they'd finished their last Hamburg residency at the Star Club. German fans and media, well aware of the part that Germany had played in giving birth to the Beatles, were eagerly awaiting their arrival in Munich on the 23rd of June, 1966. What do you think about Munich? Uh, well, what I've seen looks lovely and the weather's nice too. What are you going to do with your little Um I don't know. Probably hang them up eventually. You're not going to wear them? Oh, I might do, yeah, if it's too hot at the moment. <laughs> oh, yeah. How's your German? Uh, terrible. I don't speak it. You don't speak it at all? Um, no, not, not to speak of, you know, just a couple of jokes like Spiegelei and Pomfrits, you know. <laughs> that's not really German. That's about all I know and sort of um, Brigades, you know, which is enough. As long as you can say Brigade, you're all right. If you could participate in the Olympic Games of 72 in Munich, what would you like to be? Oh, I don't know. Leg and spoon race. <laughs> the three-legged race. The three-legged race. Yeah, until they have that in the Olympic Games. Or maybe the high jump. The high jump? <laughs> the Circus Kronobau in Munich was the first venue to host a fairly rusty Beatles who had played only a handful of live shows so far this year, concentrating more on creating Revolver, none of whose songs would ever be played live. The Beatles set was recycled from their 1965 tour, with a couple of newer songs thrown in to keep the fans happy.
The Beatles had conducted many press conferences and media interviews over the years, from the hilarious high-energy hijinks of their arrival in New York City in February 1964, to the endless rounds of interviews on subsequent tours, especially in America. Viewed as a necessary evil in exposing the band to the press, boosting promotion for local concerts and therefore ticket sales and merchandising, the Beatles endured almost endless hours of repetitive questioning from reporters in whichever city they found themselves that day. At first, the Beatles played up to the cameras and the newshounds, their charming, quick-witted replies to all questions endearing them to all in the room, and all who subsequently saw or read their words. But by 1966, the novelty had well and truly worn off. A brand new media scrum in Essen, who had not yet had their chance to quiz the Beatles, trotted out the same old questions, plus a few truly bizarre ones, maybe lost a little in translation, something which the group clearly did not appreciate. Would you be so kind as to tell us something about your impressions in Munich and uh, here in Essen? Das werden sie nicht tun. Wie 
Um, do the Beatles plan in the near future to make another film? Yeah. And uh, do you have do you have a, any idea what it's going to be like? Uh, no, we just said uh, no script. We have no script. George, do you become father of a girl or a boy? Do you become a father of a boy or a girl? <laughs> Is it possible that we will make a film without music? Uh, no, not likely. Not this. It's possible, but it's not likely. <laughs> <laughs> In case you would have to buy a ticket to your own performance, how high would you, how much would you pay for it? We know the manager, so we get free. <laughs> <laughs> Do the Beatles write their arrangements for their songs all by themselves? Yes. Who wrote the arrangement for Michelle? We did. We did all together. We do the things. We have all together. We do the things. Some are silly, some are stupid, the same, any crowd, not all the same. No, some of them. 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 Some of what are you uh, doing afterwards if you can't sing uh, ten years uh, later, perhaps? What are you doing then if you are a private man? Well, uh, we'll carry on with music because we can't just give music up like that. We just carry on writing songs and we just progress. I don't know. We just wait and see, but we'll still be making music. And uh, what's your... Uh, First, private hobby. Your wife or your... I don't know. Wife and music. Wife and music. Both together. Yes. Yeah? Yes. And how can you um, do it together? Your family and, 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 and uh, work and so. Have you uh, some time, good time, much enough time for your private life? Yes, now we have more time free for our private lives and then when we go away on tour like now, then the wives stay at home. And uh, which one have the boy? You? No. Sack, you a boy? Yeah? And you, are, uh, you have no? No, no, not yet. You want some? Well, yeah, not for a little bit time. How old is your wife? 22. And uh, you pref uh, she prefer beat music too? Yes, she likes, uh, she, she, likes, she likes classics. She likes all, all sorts of music that I like. Thank you so much. Sorry, John, the yes. same uh, question is me. Okay. Do you like classics? Yes, some of it. I like some classical music. Yeah. Uh, for instance? For instance, I don't know, you know, I've just heard some that I don't dislike. I've, I hear it, I mean, you can hear it without naming it. I don't want to know what it's called anyway. That's just a name. Some I don't know, I've heard a lot, but I don't know what it is. I, the only back I can remember, because he, everybody fogs him to death. <coughs> Excuse me. Sorry, Paul. Hello. I have heard you are engaged. Well, you've heard wrong. I'm not engaged. And uh, what time do you want to be married? I don't know. Um, I don't know when at all. It could be any time. Oh, no. <laughs> but I'm so curious. Perhaps uh, this year or, or later? No. Um, I don't know. I mean, you know, did you know when you were going to get... Are you married? Yes, I am. Well, did you know when you were going to get married? You know. No, 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 no not correct. <laughs> you know. Do you like uh, classic, classic music? I like some of it. I don't like all of it. I uh, like modern classical music more than I like old-fashioned. But... Uh, I don't know, there's good and bad in everything, and there's a lot of good music, obviously, in classical music. I don't like all of it, though. Sorry, Wingo, what do you think about musicals? About what? Musicals. Musicals, I, I never go and see them. I don't like them that much, you know. They don't, they don't do any, anything good enough, you know, I don't think. It's but you have heard, perhaps, uh, My Fair Lady or so? Yeah, but, it, I mean, it may be good, but I don't like it, you know. Now I see a microphone is... Moving in to talk to one of the more famed groups 
of the musical world, known, of course, as the Beatles. Ringo, they say, shaking hands is an old European custom. May I shake hands with you, sir? Yeah, yeah. How are you? All right. I'm from Radio Canadian Army Europe. Oh, Ringo. Canadian Army. Yes. Sitting back there, uh, do you enjoy these news conferences? Uh, well, this one wasn't a very good one, you know. Oh, I noticed because the questions some of the people yeah. asked you were rather foolish. Yeah. I don't know why, you know. I mean, they're wasting their time as much as ours, you know. That's true. Like someone says, um, what time is it? You know, what's that got to do with it? That's rather foolish. I'll agree. And this fellow here tells me Gene Krupa plays oh, Slingland, why don't I? How long? You know, I mean, it's, uh, it's not nothing. It's not relevant with anything, Garth, for the questions, you know. So here he is, the charming man, the bachelor of the Beatles, Paul. Hello, Paul. I'm uh, Cammy McKay from Radio Canadian Army Europe. Well, don't worry about that. <laughs> That's nothing to hold against you, I don't think. <laughs> Paul, do you enjoy these news conferences? Some of them, you know. Today the questions were pretty bad. You know, you know what I mean. There weren't any good questions. And uh, I don't enjoy them as much when the questions aren't good, but normally they're okay. Well, you being the bachelor of this very famed singing group, uh, I would imagine a lot of questions do arise, like the one I'm going to ask you. What about love? Uh, are you in love at the present time, or is this an embarrassing question to you? Well, it's an embarrassing question, of course, but uh, I am, yeah. Do you plan marriage in the near future? I don't plan it, you know. I don't know any... People who do sort of plan marriage, it just happens, you know, I'll wait till it happens. Thank you very much, it's been nice talking to oh, you. Okay, thank you, Radio Canada Army. Radio Canadian Army, you're Radio Can Canadian you Army. No, I cannot say that because <laughs> I have much. not trained in this Canadian accent. <laughs> very good. Ladies and gentlemen, Paul of the famed Beatles. George, do you enjoy these news conferences? Well, if people ask good questions, but usually they ask a lot of idiotic questions. Uh, a very short interview with George of the Beatles. Canadian Armed Forces interviewer Cammy Mackay, capturing the Beatles' impressions of the latest round of inane questions directed to them in Essen on the 25th of June, 1966. The Beatles had arrived in the same train used by Queen Elizabeth II on her visit to Germany the previous year. The group played two shows, one matinee and one evening concert. The very same train would take the Beatles to Hamburg overnight, departing Essen directly after their evening performance. George, John, Paul. Sie haben sich aufgeführt wie die Schweine, berichtete der Wagenmeister der Bundesbahn einem Lokalreporter. Sie warfen Kippen auf den ausgelegten Fußboden. Hallo, ähm, guten Abend. In deinen Namen bin ich glücklich und froh. Viele Grüße von John. Uh, good arrival. Schönen Dank, John. Dankeschön, bitteschön. Upon their early morning arrival in Hamburg, the Beatles were driven some 30 miles out of the city to the Schloss Hotel in Tramsbüttel, an enormous castle which gave the Beatles a bit of time to sleep in and reset. Between two more shows, again late afternoon and evening, the band sat through yet another press conference, their patience clearly tested. Yes? Andy Miller is all right. I wouldn't go to bed with him. It's not as good as anyone else. <laughs> okay, thank you, that's all. Oh, it's a pleasure. Thank you. What's your opinion concerning about the anti-bake pill? The anti-what? The pill. Oh, well, it's good. What is your opinion concerning the anti-bake pill? It's very good, uh, obviously. And, uh, <laughs> I wish they'd had it a few years ago. You know, it's, it's normal, isn't it? Everyone should use it if they need to. Yes. Even the we want the bill. George, where do you want to dance tonight? Pardon? Where do you want to dance tonight? George, where do you want to dance tonight? And where? I don't know. It doesn't matter where you dance. As long as you're dancing. <laughs> <laughs> Rico, who's going to uh, kiss your play or yours? Um, it's a toss-up. <laughs> John, what about... You've had more than one. What about Ringo? I think you're soft. <laughs> Tell them, John. Nah, what about this? What about that? 
Do you wear long pants in winter time? Do you wear long pants in winter time? Do you wear long pants in winter time? Do you wear long pants in winter Well, you know, I don't know, we keep changing, uh, sir, and it just gets noisier, then it gets quieter, and it gets noisier again, you know. What kind of question? <laughs> oh, well, no, no, you don't Come on, anybody from the press here? You know, any questions? Yes. Do you think it's literature or just writing only for fun? Do you think your book is literature or do you write it just for fun? It's both, isn't it? I mean, it doesn't have to be one or the other. Do you think it's great literature like James Joyce? Do you think it's great literature? It's nothing to do with James Joyce, you know. I mean, you've been reading the wrong books and magazines, you know. It's nothing to do with it. It's just a book, you know. What do you dream of when you speak? Same as everyone else dreams of. Yeah, what do you think we are? Standing no, in the what do you dream of? We're the same as everyone else. We dream about the same things as everyone else. Standing in your underpants. I just dream of everything like you do, you know. It's all the same. We're only the same as you, man, only we're rich. Do you think your new LP album, which you've just finished in London, will be a turning point for the Beatles? I don't know, really. Well, it's... A turning yeah, point music. It's a little turning point, like every LP. But, yeah, it's not going to change the whole world. musical world, is it? Why are you also horrid snobby? Oh, what? We're not horrid snobby. Yes, you are. No, we right. seem... That's your version. Only in your mind, we are. We because we're not flattering you. You know, you, you expect sort of nice answers to all the questions. But the questions aren't nice questions. They don't have to have nice answers. And if we don't give nice answers, it doesn't mean we're snobby. It just means we're natural. Paul telling it like it is in Hamburg. The two shows at the Ernst Merker Hall are far cry from the seedy night spots of the Reaper Barn five and six years ago, would be the first shows played in Hamburg since 1962 and the last. Considering the significance of the occasion, it's surprising that there is very little audio of the Beatles' return to Hamburg, except for a poor quality audience recording and this snippet of Paperback Rider, the only Revolver-era song to be included in the 1966 set list. Does anyone know what we're doing? Oh. The 27th of June saw the Beatles board their long-haul flight for Tokyo via London and, thanks to a typhoon, an unscheduled stopover in Anchorage, Alaska. The final leg of the journey was completed the following day, with the Beatles, replete in matching blue and white kimonos, touching down in Japan for the first time at 3.30am on the 30th of June. The fans, who in most other places would be pressing against the runway fences to catch a glimpse of their idols, were nowhere to be seen. Instead, being confined to small groups along the route between the airport and the hotel. After catching up on some sleep, the Beatles made their way to their only press conference in Japan, but not before being intercepted by one E.H. Eric, whose real name was Taibi Okada, and turned out to be the compare for the Beatles shows in Tokyo. Well, uh, I'll be the MC for your show at, uh, well, I have a few questionnaire. You have a good sleep? Yes, yes, fine. And, uh, did you have any knowledge about uh, Japan before coming here? A little. Uh, yes, a little bit, you know, not much, though. Not about much. as much as we know about most places oh, we go to. I see. Well, uh, how, uh, Japanese fans? 
Great. Seemed, great. Seemed very great. Yeah, we get lots of letters from Japan. Oh, but you didn't meet them at the airport. Not no, 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 we couldn't see a thing. Well, we the came in. It's amazing security. You know, I've never seen so many people guarding it. And uh, so we don't want you to uh, be hurt or anything. No. So we're trying our best. But we don't want the security to hurt the fans. You know, mm. don't get too rough with them. Mm. And what uh, musician and composer do you respect most? No, I don't know really. John Lennon. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, Paul's marriage. Good yes. question. It's not true. It's not true. It's wrong. It's George's marriage. George's marriage. These three are married. <laughs> How many times do you wash your hair in a week? About once. <laughs> once in a week. It depends, well, you know. It depends you... how hot it is, how dirty it gets. Yeah. It depends what you, you cut do. them often? That That's the same, you know, whenever you feel like this. You don't do it every week, you don't do it every month, oh. you know, it just happens. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. What understanding of Japan did you come to this country with? Yeah, we don't know much about Japan except what we've read or seen on film. Um, and we don't believe all that. Mm. But it seemed like a good place. You know, it's pretty good. Pretty good. Uh, wonderful. Now, it is said that your fans are wild and frantic, and rather than appreciating music itself, they're satisfied just by watching you on stage, whether they hear you or not. What are your attitudes towards Well, fans? they buy the records to listen to the music, and when we appear in person, they come to see us. No, it I doesn't matter, that. you know, as long as they're in a good They buy records to listen, you know, and when they come to see us, they just come to watch. You have attained sufficient honor and wealth. Are you happy? Have we? Yes. And what do you seek next? Peace. Ban the bomb. Ban the bomb, yeah. <laughs> uh, why do you think that you are popular not only in Western countries, but in Asian countries like Japan? It's the same answer as before about the fans, that they're international. The only difference is the language. That's why. You know, all different kinds of people like us. And also, because the East is becoming so westernized and closed, it's doing the same with music, you know. It's just happening that pretty soon we'll all be the same. Your coming to Japan has been referred to by the Japanese press as the arrival of the Beatles typhoon. <laughs> do you... Can you think of anything, the connection between the two, or do you...? <laughs> There's probably more wind from the press than from us. The gentleman asking the question has read an article saying that an old Englishman, you know the type, the Yorkshire type, the old Englishman once said uh, that two things he does not like in England at the present moment, Rolls-Royce changing its model and the Beatles receiving a medal. Yeah. Now, what do you have to say no, for We that? don't like old men in England. We don't like that. <laughs> We're trying to change we, that image of England. But yeah. we tolerate the old people, whereas they don't tolerate us. How much of a knowledge or how much interest do you take in the war that is going on in Vietnam now? Well, we think about it every day, and we don't agree with it, and we think it's wrong. That's how much interest we take. That's. That's all we can do about it, and say that we don't like it. Uh, are you planning to do anything apart from uh, your performances uh, in Tokyo, outside this hotel? Well, we, we're not planning anything, but we'd uh, like to see Tokyo, you know, if, we get, if we get a chance. Yeah. Is, is there anything special in Japan that uh, you've heard about you'd like to see or do? Yes. <laughs> hmm. Many things. Like? Like. Well, radios, you know. <coughs> yeah, no, just we, you know, we're average tourists if we get a chance to tour. Is that oh. the end? Oh, Goodbye. thank you, thank you. Goodbye.
皆様こんにちはようこそおいでいただきましてありがとうございます司会のイエチエリックでございます、えー、さて不安待望のビートルズ公演でございまして、えー、ビートルズの不安の方はたくさん大勢いらっしゃるかと思いますそれからまたこれからビートルズの不安になろうという方もいらっしゃるかと思います一つ今日はごゆっくりお楽しみいただきたいと思いますジャッキー吉川とブルーコメンツそれからブルージーンズではどうぞ。いたしましたえー、それでは日本で初めて迎えるビートルでございますどうぞ皆様の盛大な拍手を持って迎えたいと思います<笑> Ladies and gentlemen welcome the Beatles
everything and we'd like to do a song now which is off one of our LPs and this is a song which is sung by oh sung by our guitarist George is called if I needed someone I'd like to sing uh, another song, I think. This song was a, was it a single? Yeah, uh, this song was a single over here. 
Beatles' appearances at the Nippon Budokan Hall was controversial, attracting considerable criticism and outright anger from some in Japan. Built only very recently in 1964 as a sumo wrestling arena and place of remembrance for Japan's war dead, the Budokan was already regarded as a sacred place, and not one to be disrespected by allowing a rock band and hordes of screaming fans to fill its halls. People were demonstrating because the Budokan was supposed to be a special spiritual hall and only reserved for martial arts. Uh, some Japanese say that your performances will violate the Budokan, which is devoted to traditional Japanese martial arts, and that you set a bad example for Japanese youth by leading them astray from traditional Japanese values. What do you think of all that? The thing is that if somebody from Japan, if a dancing troupe from Japan goes to Britain, Nobody tries to say in Britain that they're violating the traditional laws, you know, or that they're trying to spoil anything. All we're doing is coming here and singing because we've been asked to. And it's we're better not to watch to, singing than wrestling anyway. Yeah. We're not trying to violate anything. and We're just as traditional anyway. Perhaps preceded by the reputation of previous tours elsewhere, the Beatles were also subjected to a military-style logistical operation, not only to keep their guests safe, but perhaps to also maintain control over their movements and their exposure to the locals. We were only allowed out at the time for the concert when it was worked out like a military manoeuvre, you know, at, at uh, 5.30 precisely, we will knock on your door. Which was on the schedule at exact time. Then they said, you will now line up outside the room. At 5.32, we will leave the door. 
We will now walk to the lift. At 5.33, we will be at the elevator. The elevator takes like, you know, a minute eight to get down. At 5.35, we'll be down in the car park. And they said, you will get in car with Mr. Evans. Then they had the seating arranged in all the cars. It was like amazing efficiency we'd never seen the like of in Britain. They would knock on the door and we wouldn't never come out. <laughs> it would just totally wreck their timings. And you'd see all these guys just absolutely balmy as we hadn't walked down the corridor at 7.14 or a third, you know. It's just... But we knew we were doing that to them. Thank you. Thank you very much. Next song we'd like to do is from... Uh, help LP LP and it's called Yesterday All my troubles seem so far away Night looks as though they're here to stay Oh I believe in yesterday Suddenly with a song which is uh, entitled, quite simply, RINGO!
We'd like to do another record that's a single record. I think, oh, I never know, you know. I never know these things, you know. And this record is called... Hello! It's called, uh, no one Two, three, four. He's a real nowhere man Sitting in his nowhere land Making all Thank you. We'd like to sing now uh, a song which is our new record here in Japan. And we'd like to sing it now. It's called Paperback Writer. Paperback
Thank you, thank you, much, everybody. Thank you. Thank you all. The relatively quiet and well-behaved audiences who attended the five shows over the 30th of June and 1st of July 1966 had somewhat of an unnerving effect on the Beatles. Used to being drowned out by screaming which rivaled the decibels produced by a jumbo jet taking off, the Beatles could suddenly hear themselves play and they were far from happy with what they heard. Get to the point where it was particularly bad and then we'd kind of do our Elvis legs and wave to the crowd and they'd all scream and then it'd cover that. <laughs> I think Paul already said that, the screaming did cover a lot of um, worrying moments. You know, the scream used to cover a multitude of sins, right? And now, and it, at those shows, it wasn't there, right? And so uh, the second show was pretty good. They got it together by then. But the first one, it was a bit of a shock. I mean, I remember we had one meeting and we were just mainly talking about the musicianship was going downhill, never mind the boredom of doing it, you know. I mean, there was always so much more pressure from the minute you opened your eyes, people trying to get at you, you know, for whatever reason, you know, to be friends <laughs> or to get an interview or to do a radio. I mean, the, the pressure was on from the minute you started. While the Beatles were the first to play the Buddha Khan, they certainly were not the last. Hundreds of artists have graced its stage since 1966, including Paul McCartney as a solo artist. With the Japanese leg of the tour down, there was only one more stop arranged to complete the tour, and it would become a defining moment and turning point in the Beatles' touring career. The Beatles and tour manager Neil Aspinall recall what happened. I hated the Philippines. And as soon as we got there, it was bad. Bad news. It was one of those places where uh, you sort of knew they were waiting for a fight, you know. It was a negative, very negative vibe the moment we got off the plane. So we, we were kind of like a bit frightened. We got in this car, and not even with Neil. The guy just drove off with us four, and our bags were on the, um, the runway. They left them on the runway, and those little briefcases had the marijuana in them, right? So uh, I had to... Uh, while, well, the, while the confusion was going on and all this, I just sort of put them in the booth of the limo I was going to be in. Right? And, uh, and just said, take me to where you've taken the Beatles. I was thinking, God, you know, this is it. We're going to get busted. Um, and they took us away and drove us down to the Manila Harbour and put us on a boat, took us out to this kind of motor yacht that was anchored out in the harbour. I never really understood that. I never really understood why they got put on this boat. I just remember Brian Epstein, really flustered. And he must have been with, was it maybe the uh, Philippine promoter or somebody, agent or something. And he was like yelling and shouting and he appeared on the scene and then and it was all yelling going on, and then they took us back off the boat, put us back in a cart, and drove us to a hotel suite where we, where we were. And then we did a, a concert. The concert, again, had a big problem because Brian Epstein had made a contract for a stadium or, or a situation of so many people, I don't know how many thousand people, maybe, uh, you know, two, or two to five thousand people, something like that. When we got there, it was like, the Monterey Pop Festival. I mean, it was just millions. There was 200,000 people in that site. So we did the show, and I didn't know, personally, I didn't know anything about that Madame Marcus had invited us to dinner. We don't normally get invited. I usually silly ambassadors want to see us around the place. <laughs> but, you know, so somebody just set it up, and he had to go along with it, and we didn't know about it. It is indeed a great honour, but it's our day off, so we can't go. And we're very firm about that, because we don't get many days off. We're not stuffing in some sort of royal reception, you know. John and I were sharing a room after the gig, and then we woke up in the morning. And we phoned down for breakfast and the newspapers, because we always like to read about ourselves. I thought, yeah, can we have, you know, egg and bacon, whatever we were eating in those days, and the newspapers, all the newspapers, you know. Yes. We were just hanging out in our beds, uh, chatting, you know, doing whatever we were doing, and uh, 
So time went by, so we called down again. Excuse me, you know, can we have the breakfast, bloody block? And uh, still nothing happened, and so we put the TV on. <laughs> and there was this horrific TV show of Madame Marcus screaming, you know, they've let me down. <laughs> and uh, all these shots of the cameraman took the camera onto like these empty plates and up into these little kids' faces all crying because the Beatles hadn't turned up. And the TV commentators saying, and they're still not here yet. And, you know, the Beatles are, you know, supposed to be here. And we sat there in amazement, couldn't believe it. And we just watched ourselves not arriving at the, at the presidential palace. Now, I don't recall much of what happened after that until the newspapers arrived and the TV news and everything. It was Beatles snub first family. So then things started to get really weird. Uh, you know, come on, get out of bed, get packed. We're getting out of here. And uh, as we started to get to the car, we really had no help. And we got downstairs like one motorbike. You know, after this huge motorcade brought us in, uh, there was just this one guy. And we get to the airport and there's chanting, people hating us all the way. So we got there and we got, um, uh put into the transit lounge. And then we got pushed around from one corner of the lounge to, to another, you know. You treat like ordinary passenger, ordinary yeah. passenger, they're saying. <laughs> We're saying ordinary passenger, he doesn't get kicked, does he? <laughs> and so they started knocking over our road managers and things, and everyone was falling all over they the place. They started worrying you when the road manager got knocked over. Yeah, and I swear there was 30 of them. What do you say there were? Well, I saw five in sort of outfits, you know, that were sort of doing it, the actual kicking and and booing and shouting. Did you get kicked out? No, I was very delicate and moved every time they touched me. <laughs> <laughs> but I, thought I was petrified. I, don't, I could have been kicked and not known it. I just know I was getting booed. You know, one was the famous story of John and I hiding behind these nuns <laughs> because we thought it's a Catholic country, they won't beat up the nuns. And then we got on the plane, which was a British Airways, we were all kissing the seats and everything. You know, this is Britain, little piece of Britain. <laughs> it was feeling like that, you know, you were definitely in a foreign country with all the rules had changed and they did carry guns after all, so, you know, you weren't too sort of uh, gung-ho about it all. And then one of our guys, an announcement came over. They're saying, well, Mr. Epstein and Mr. Um, Evans and Mr. Barrow, that was Tony Barrow, I believe, was he was our press agent at the time. Will, will they get off the plane? And Mal who was the nicest, gentlest person. He's a big guy, but he was really sweet. He went past me on the, down the aisle of the plane to get off, and he was breaking out in tears, and he turned to me and he said, tell Lil I love her, that's his wife. Because he thought that was it, you know. I mean, the plane was gonna go, and he was gonna be stuck in Manila. And uh, anyway, we sat there again for, it seemed like, a couple of hours, it was probably 30 minutes, maybe an hour. And they got back on the plane and then the plane was allowed to leave. Apparently they took the money off Brian Epstein that we'd earned at the concert. And that was it, we got out of there and it was such a relief, but I felt such resentment for those people. But it was really frightening. It's probably the most frightening. I've never been back, actually. I just never go to any North Houses again. The Philippines debacle represented all that the Beatles resented about touring and was not the first time they had feared for their own safety. The events in Manila only reinforced the doubts they were having about touring, especially overseas, and reconfirmed their desire to be a recording band exclusively, at least for a while, anyway. Well, that's it for this episode. Next time we head out on tour again with the Beatles as they embark on what would be their last tour of the United States and their final ever tour. Until next time. Does it